Hello, you're listening to Young Boozer. I'm Barnaby. Dan's here. Hello. Will's here. Hello. We're having a nice evening and we're ready to go. Ready to talk uh, talk some politics. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening in <coughs> last week to our uh, our triumphant return show. Thanks for all the lovely feedback and comments. Much appreciated. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot more to talk about today. Uh, of course, we had the uh, the third debate uh, between Biden, well, second really, but the appointed uh, third debate between uh, Biden and Trump, um, which obviously happened. Not a huge amount to report there. Um, but something we do need to discuss, obviously, is the huge uh, development in the race that I think really will make a massive difference, you know, compared to anything that's happened previously, which is um, Lil Pump. He's uh, he's endorsed uh, endorsed Donny for a second term. Trump is officially a member of the Gucci gang. Pretty huge. It is a huge development. I think this is this is locked up Florida for Trump. Oh yeah, no, it's it's the it's the most consequential endorsement of 2018. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> I. It is. It is absolutely bizarre that that that's a sentence that we have to to read um <laughs> in 2020 something i have to think about is 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 what lil pump thinks about the presidential election yeah like i the six nine trump endorsement is another one that obviously you know sort of jumped out at people but um that was to be expected really wasn't it because that's just mm. six nine being six nine and loving publicity it's fairly sort of simple but uh I don't. Yeah. I, th- I. It's got to be the same for Little Pump as well. But like, who cares? <laughs> like, <laughs> anymore? Like, he's not had a hit in like at least a year, Two has years. he? Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what his last hit was. Yeah. But no, it's been a while. But I've got no, to I say, could... Trump has a a surprising sort of rap following doesn't he because i was uh, gonna say yeah. like he, he's 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 got a pretty strong field of of, of endorsements and sort of semi-endorsements like like 50 cents as well from this week mm. yeah well, well 50 he cents back on it hasn't he to he then posted fuck donald trump so he's gone back on that one mm. well even before he ran he was pretty popular amongst rappers like you know they referenced him all the time he obviously had kind of the new york connection to a lot of rappers um, and then obviously that sort of went down the pan a bit when he actually started running, but he somehow seems to have got it back a bit. Um, but I mean, as I pointed out earlier, 50 Cent did endorse uh, George Bush in 2004. So, you know, he does have history of endorsing Republicans. I looked it up and he endorsed uh, Bush in 04. He endorsed Hillary in the 2008 Dem primaries. And then I think he was Obama pretty much straight through until uh, until now. Or, well, Obama until 2016 and Hillary, and now it's gone back to being a Republican. Well, it seems like his endorsement of Trump was based off like <clears throat> a slightly basic misreading of like marginal tax rates. There <laughs> yeah. was there was there was that Instagram post that was like you know how, how much you'd pay in tax if you made over however much it was like four hundred thousand dollars, no more than that, like millions of dollars, mm-hmm. which he read as read as Biden will increase taxes to sixty two percent. Which admittedly you read kind of all over the place, like that's a pretty common political misreading, but it was pretty funny. Also, uh, if you uh, looked into the likes, one of the most uh, notable likes of that post was from 
uh, Christian Pulisic, the Chelsea player. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. Which does not surprise me, considering previous US men's national team endorsements, uh, like when Jeff Cameron, the former Stoke City defender, tweeted something along the lines of, like, I don't understand how Hillary Clinton's allowed to walk around in public after Benghazi. <laughs> Yeah, but that, good that's just Jeff Cameron trying to fit in. You know, he's just trying to fit in with the the sort of English football scene. He can't really get in on the on the sort of poppy gig. Uh, he can't hate James McLean because he was on the same team as him at that point. Um, so you know, what's left? Benghazi, I suppose. I mean I, I mean, I don't think like the average like kind of gammon football fan is is furious about what happened to Ambassador Stevens. <laughs> no, but I think you can sort of recognize it as he's doing the American version of me getting mad about respect and poppies. Like, I think you mm. can sort of recognize it as the, the counterpart. Yes. The actual well, no, but no, but that, of it don't matter to you. But no, but that, that, there is a natural, I kind of get what you mean, but there is a natural counterpart to respect and poppies, which is kneeling for the national anthem. Yes. True. Mm-hmm. True. But that that's hadn't like, really that, kicked off by shoot. the time. No, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah, but that yeah, was it was just, just just amused me. Mm-hmm. I mean, there aren't. I mean, I don't know exactly how the views of the uh, of the US uh, men's national team fully pan out. I would imagine they lean towards the right. I know Landon Donovan is quite progressive. His teams mm. have been um, walking off repeatedly because of, I think, homophobic abuse. Oh, was that uh, his team? The, I remember MLS. reading about that. I didn't realize. He yeah, was he's there. the. He's he's the manager, yeah. Oh, okay. Or the coach. So, uh, not not all bad. I mean, mm. you know. This is all reminding me about when Charles Barkley uh, in the 90s said he was going to run for governor of Alabama as a Republican. And he said that his mum went to him and was like, you know, how can you be a Republican? They, they only care about rich people. And he was like, I am rich. Well, this is the thing, actually. I suppose we're talking about, we started on this talking about, you know, rappers endorsing Trump and, you know, a lot of the shock appears to be that, you know, most of these rappers are black guys, and then how can they support Trump because of the things that Trump has said about Black Lives Matter, police brutality, you know, generally, mm-hmm. you know, criminal justice issues, you name it. And then actually, you know, maybe maybe the materialists are right, and that they're rich guys, so of course they're going to support Trump. Mm-hmm. 50 Cent's endorsed George Bush in the past, you know? Um, obviously, Kanye's kind of endorsed Trump, and then not endorse Trump, and it seemed like he they were kind of hoping his independent run would be like kind of a spoiler for Trump, but that didn't really work out either. Yeah, but do you think Kanye was hoping that, or do you think all of Kanye's Republican friends were hoping that? No, I mean, just... I mean, all the Republican strategists who got Kanye to run were hoping yeah. that, and like got him on the ballot, yeah, yeah, where it just kind of crashed and burned a bit. Well, yeah, the bit, what's really. the? I've I've been seeing a load of people post their ballots on social media which feels like it probably shouldn't be legal but is um but anyway uh a lot of the states there's i've seen some that have kanye west on it some that don't have him on it but then some have him on it as vp i that's the one i don't get so he is on he is on the ballot in california as the vice presidential running mate of friend of the show rocky de la fuente who long-standing listeners back in the radio days will know as a perennial candidate who uh, changes his party affiliation practically daily. Mm-hmm. and But I think now is pretty much settled on 
taking advantage of ballot access laws. So he was on the ballot, at least he ran in the primary as a Republican in about 12 different Senate races in 2018. He tried to run for mayor of New York. He ran for the Democratic nomination in 16, then switched to a third party. And I think this year he might be the American Independent Party nominee. I think he is. He's for some yeah. kind of weird third party. Yeah, yep. no, that, that well, I think. Well. Well, the independent part, the American Independent is technically the party, the like long-standing, like far, not far right, but like hard right party that George Wallace formed. But I think it's more or less become like, yeah, it's just kind of like an, an open invitation for anyone who makes the effort to run for them. I don't think they yeah. care so that much about your, your ideology. Is that he's Winston McKenzie. He does have certain similarities. Yeah. yeah, he has very sim- certain similarities. Not as colourful a character as Winston McKenzie. Well, I think we'll have to talk about it at some point because that—that's another great one. Uh, admittedly, not American. Colorful, I, I don't believe that. He has such a colourful name. I, I refuse to believe he can be bland or boring with a name like. He's not bland Rocky or Della boring. But he's the weird thing he does is just the fact that he runs in like a million different states. That, also, that's kind of his weird thing. His no, platform is just like United the, America. So we all know who the real, thing. sort of real forward-thinking progressive candidates are in this election and it is the prohibition party because they were ready for covid before anyone else their 2012 and 2016 uh, conventions were done via teleconferencing they knew what was coming and they were ready and they already wanted the bath closed anyway so exactly yeah. exactly no issue there. Know, they, they, they were perfectly positioned and i think we should recognize that by uh yeah you know, this is a yeah. We 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 don't do I was about to say voting official. For them and I remembered I was not yeah. American. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we 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 don't do party politics here. You know, we're not we're not a you know a Democratic podcast or a Republican podcast. We don't endorse you know in the UK Labour or the Conservatives. We might have our views and talk about them, but you know, we are very solidly on the record as being in favour of the Prohibition Party. Mm-hmm. I think that's quite simple. We are we are democratic socialists for prohibition. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I believe we were supposed to be talking about rappers. So, um, just to, <laughs> I'm just I would just like to to state for the record my intense disappointment about um, Waka Flocka Flame being on uh, the the Trump endorsements and and being on the Trump train. Um, Tragic, mm. honestly. I was not expecting it, is, it, it at all. It's quite sad. Yeah. It is, um, it is. But the, the, fact, has, the fact has that Pete he's made on an there. endorsement. Has who? Has Pete made an endorsement? Lil Peep. He's he's oh, been dead for three years. Yeah. I'm not thinking of Lil I don't I don't mean Lil Peep. But see, this is me. I said before the show, I'm I'm not gonna embarrass myself by <laughs> I don't know much about rap music. I've done it. I don't mean I don't mean Lil Peep. I mean Meek Mill. That's who I mean. No, I don't think so. I hear two, I hear the two pack endorsement is really uh, highly anticipated this time around. Oh fuck. <laughs> I was just so proud of myself before the show. I was saying to Will, I was like can I make if, Gucci Gang is by Lil Pump, right? So if I say Trump's in the Gucci Gang, that's a funny joke and doesn't make me seem out of touch. Will was like, "Well, you do seem out of touch because it's a three-year-old reference." But I was like, "Yeah, but I, I know, the, I know, it was, I know the rapper and I know, I know the song he did." But yeah, I, I, I that is yeah, that I, horrendous. I, um, but the question <laughs> is, you know, who has XXXTentacion? <laughs> yeah. 
who has the better? I hear Tupac and Biggie have actually split over their, you know, respective support for the Greens or the Libertarians, respectively. Oh dear. Hello, can you guys hear me? Right, let's let's change the subject. <laughs> Before I embarrass myself anymore. Oh man. Um, <laughs> oh, but I was going to ask so... your opinion on all of the rappers and who who has the better complement of. Uh... Of rap endorsements, but uh, oh well, let's go. Let's let's go with that, and Dan can answer. And if mm-hmm. I remember, if I recognise some of the names, which I do, you know, I, I I like a bit of you know. Well, I mean, Kane, Kane West, and to be honest, Jay Z. Like, if you look at the if you look at the Biden rap endorsements, it's a lot of people that were most relevant ten years ago. It's Diddy. Mm. It's um, Common who, you know, on a musical standpoint, isn't that relevant anymore. Obviously, has his acting gigs and that. Snoop Dogg, who's, you know, been a joke for 10 years. Um, ASAP Ferg, who became a joke this year. Um, mm. <laughs> Jeezy, Je- for some reason. Yeah. Like, Lizzo, ludicrous again, not been relevant for a while. Um, they seem Frank, to like that. Frank Ocean is, like, probably... Frank Ocean and Lizzo are like probably the two most current people on his on his list, and I think purely by virtue of of having um, Wacker on there, Trump wins. Mm, definitely. Well, I just yeah, because you mentioned Ludacris. I just saw that he did a. Cause I remember that Biden did a uh, get out the vote thing with Ludacris, Jermaine Dupree, and Jeezy. So I have no idea what kind of targeting they've come up with that suggests that like fans of those rappers need to go out and they need to get them out to vote in Georgia or whatever. Um, because, as you say, they are people who haven't really been relevant for about 10 years as rappers. Yeah, yeah. It's just and the outro of... Um, the the best rapper of all time is is on the Joe Biden side, actually. Lin-Manuel Miranda, um, no doubt oh, coming yeah. up with a terrible voting parody song like he did last year. Um, uh... <laughs> yep, love to remind you all of that. You're welcome. It's fact, um, just on that subject, he. I think what I realize what really gets me, like apart from just most of what he stands for, but he raps in a stage school voice. Mm. It's not that the rapping is technically bad. Obviously, like the lyrics are often very cringe. It's the fact that he delivers it like a stage school kid. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, very precisely. Is that's what really gets me about it? I think it's very like. The, the enunciation and things like that just really wind me up. I was about to save myself slightly some kind of of street cred, but by having a suggesting that you know you're saying that fans of um, you know, what's the point in trying to appeal to fans of Jeezy? But then thinking of the outro of of, of Blame Game from uh, My Beautiful Twisted Dark Fantasy, and it's it's Chris Rock on the uh, answer phone going, <laughs> "My God, this is part of Georgia. Never used to vote Democratic. Why why did you vote Democrat?" And it's just Jeezy told me. Uh, see that's yep that's not bad see um thank you i will just say also actually quickly that um the joe biden endorsement list has validated QAnon in in my head uh because he got the billy eilish endorsement no i will not elaborate mm. any further <laughs> <laughs> i think billy eilish has got enough shit i don't think she needs any more from us um i'm a fan no, of I'm not giving anyway. her shit. I'm just, I'm not just... in a QAnon way. Oh, also, um, oh, the Black Eyed Peas endorsed Biden actually. So, 
You've got to give that to him. As you say, it's a, it's a very like, with a few exceptions, a very like now sixty-five list of endorsements. Yeah, I don't uh, really, Yeah, I can remember most of the track list of now sixty-five. No, it is not. I should have known better to invite this guy on the show. <laughs> my my airy kind of vaguely culturally relevant statements just just taken apart. Okay. What now were, was were the Black Eyed Peas on? They're on a few. Maybe it wasn't sixty-five. Maybe it was like oh, sixty-three. No, the Black Eyed Peas, prob- I think, probably were, but most of the rest of it wasn't. Um... No, fair enough. Cheerfully retracted. Well, cheerfully enough, I'm... while you're seething on the inside. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm I all right. Sixty-five had I've... "Read My Mind" by the Killers on it. Good song. Pretty good. Pretty good song. Pretty good. Not bad. Uh, anyway, we definitely need to uh, to move on. Um, oh, we've done you know, this far too long now. <laughs> pretending, pretending that we've pretending we've seamlessly transitioned from my hilarious uh, Kanye X Jeezy X the state of Georgia uh, routine. Uh, we're going to talk about Georgia, uh, which is the latest edition of, of I'm in Danger. Uh, not quite as terminal a case as Corey Gardner in Colorado, who we discussed in the last episode, but. Um, the Republicans are in a little bit of trouble uh, for actually for both Georgia Senate seats this time around. Uh, there's obviously the, the regularly scheduled one where David Perdue is up for re-election. Uh, and there's also the special election, which was triggered by the resignation of Johnny Isaacson last year. He's been replaced by appointed Senator Kenny Loeffler, who is in a little bit of trouble herself just to make it into the runoff. And th- this, th- these are a pretty interesting set of races. Um, Dan, as, as we've discussed these mm. quite a lot, they're uh, you know pretty interesting. Not, I say, necessarily like the de- Democrats are uh, they're not even necessarily favoured, but they're very very close, and mm. both races are kind of interesting in their own way. Mm. The funny thing is that like the Purdue Ossoff race, like the candidates are two incredibly broad. Oh yeah, people. just just to clarify, yeah, the Democrat in the regular race is uh, former online donation liberal. Resistance favorite, probably the probably the, the first of these he resistance the guys, first, yeah. John Ossoff, who came very close to winning Georgia six in twenty seventeen, but then fell short. The Dems have since won the seat. He's back in set form <laughs> and uh, running a fairly close race with a uh, yeah, I said a man with possibly even less personality than him, David Perdue. Yeah, I mean it is basically just generic Democrat versus generic Republican, more or less. Um, yeah, but he might you're... actually be able to fail upward this time. Like, yeah, the, on paper it shouldn't work. Like just losing a losing a, a very winnable congressional election to mm. to do this this much harder Senate seat, but such is life. And then the other yeah. one is obviously just a bit of a car crash completely. Oh, this <laughs> is mental. It started off as a bipartisan car crash, and it's actually mainly just become a GOP car crash now. But uh, yeah, I mean, Dan, we've spoken about this as well. The, what the hell's going on in this special election? Yeah, it's just, yeah. Um, so yeah, on the Republican side, you've got uh, Collins versus, uh, is it pronounced Loeffler? I've, 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 like, I've been going with like Loeffler, like, Loeffler, like it's German. Yeah. It looks kind of... Teutonic to me. I, I have no idea. I don't really care enough. But yeah, with Lerfler sort of being picked as when she was appointed, was sort of seen as kind of a moderate or semi moderate, you know, woman who'd be able yeah. to hold kind of suburban GOP voters. Um, and then Doug Collins jumped into the race 
kind of should run to her right and saying, you know, you, we don't, she doesn't really have a track record of being conservative, whereas he has a very conservative voting record. And, you know, saying, oh, you want a, if you want a true conservative Senate, uh, vote for me. And Loeffler has responded by just going completely insane and <laughs> running like the most ridiculous. Um, I mean, it's, it's almost what happened in the last Georgia Senate uh, governor election where Kemp won through doing like the most offensive possible uh, ads where he was driving around to pick up trucks saying he was going to go round up illegal immigrants himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ron DeSantis did the same in Florida when he said he was teaching his children to read by using a Trump 2020 sign. And making his children build the wall out of Lego bricks. Yeah. yeah. And it worked. And Loeffler is basically doing that um, through uh, just kind of increasingly bizarre tweets and adverts describing her as more conservative than uh, Attila the Hun. <laughs> that was um, a good one. With the result that she's like basically is now just absolutely destroyed any hope she had of holding moderate suburban women, which is the entire point, really. Of why of she was appointed in the first place, yeah. Um, so, so it's got to the point where she actually chased and received an endorsement from uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the <laughs> uh, extremely pro-QAnon um candidate for i think georgia 14 mm-hmm. um or maybe no it's not yeah maybe 14 um yeah, to the point that yeah she's just as you say it just completely undermined any chance she has and the dem side was looking a little bit interesting too um to begin with uh where obviously you had um and still have that the guy leading all the polls now at least for the first round is actually doing fairly well in the runoff for, for, for reference the the regular election is just a straight straight fight between Ossoff and Purdue, mm. whoever gets the most votes wins. Special election is a blanket primary where the top two, regardless of party, go forward to a runoff in early January. So at the moment, the guy leading the polls is Reverend Raphael Warnock, who's a Democrat. He's a, an African American sort of fairly progressive guy, as I said, who's known in the community for his work um, with with a fairly major, I think, Atlanta area church. He was, however, kind of being slightly crowded out by a name that you, I guess, I think everyone kind of <laughs> hoped we wouldn't have to hear anymore. Um, Matt Lieberman, who, yes, is in fact the son of former Senator Joe Lieberman. Um, this has been obviously a rather strange situation. So Matt Lieberman pretty much picked up most of the initial Democrat support because people knew the name. He's running on a fairly generic Democrat platform, but very much at the time, for a period of time, was taking away votes from Warnock to the point that for a long time, it looked like the runoff was going to be Loeffler versus Collins, which is obviously not a fantastic amount of choice um, for, for Georgia voters. Uh, there was lots of pressure on him to drop out, which he's refused to do. Um, obviously, enmity towards him for the Dems n- increased as his dad went around the country endorsing various endangered Republican incumbents, seems quite clear that the Liebmans are, with great regret, at it again. Yeah. Yeah. And also, as the polls basically increasingly showed a top two, Loeffler versus uh, Collins runoff being likely, because there's also a few assorted like random Dems who are on like 2% or 3%. Yeah. Well, um, Liebman is now, luckily... <laughs> Liebman is now among them. So. Yeah, but uh, for a period, it did, yeah, it seemed quite unclear. You know, even though there was a point where Warnock started to pull away, he got endorsed by the DPC and various uh, 
various big Dem figures. Um, and he never, I don't think he ever actually called for Lieberman to drop out, but obviously various other surrogates did. Mm. And Lieberman, who even by then had dropped down to like 11% in the polls, was saying, look, I'm going to stay in the race because I think that I've got a good chance of making the runoff. Even though that was just completely untrue. <laughs> yeah. By any, and also just the other thing of like, no one really knows who this guy is. I can't find any information about Matt Lieberman apart from the fact that he is Joe Lieberman's mm. son. As far as I can tell, he moved to Georgia in like 2005, set up like a school or something. Um, and then that's pretty much all he's done. And his list of endorsements, said last week, is, I think it's one of the worst lists of endorsements I've ever Isn't it just his dad and his stepmother? It's his yes. dad, his stepmother, the mayor of Greenwich, Connecticut, and David Boyd, the lawyer. And that's it. Excellent. Um, whereas... uh, okay. According to... I'm looking at the Wikipedia at the moment, and it would seem that they they disagree on the on the boys' uh, endorsement because it's only got Joe and Hadassah Lieberman there. But um... they've removed it, I think. I'm fairly sure because I looked at this up like last week, and it was um, I looked it up a few weeks ago, and it was on there, and they took it off. So whether or not, like, possibly he didn't endorse it, it was a mistake. But at one point, that was a uh, maybe somebody was trying to spear him by suggesting that he had endorsed him. <laughs> but I mean. Yeah, it's it's still not a great lineup considering Warnock has, I think, like Obama, Hillary, Biden. And uh, then, I like, don't think Ed... he has Hillary. He has Obama, Jimmy Carter, thirty-two current U.S. senators, <laughs> current and former U.S. senators. Um, yeah, and then just a ton of <laughs> every power state rep. Um, <laughs> pretty much the entire sort of starting uh, lineup and and. I think pretty much the entire squad, actually, of the Atlanta Dream, the uh, WNBA team, that is owned, co-owned by Kelly Loeffler. So they're they're endorsing a direct opponent of uh, of their team's owner, which is mm. always nice to see. Pretty pimp. Yeah, Loeffler had a bit of a a bit of a thing where she was arguing with him about whether or not they could wear like Black Lives Matter T-shirts or something. On a, oh on right, the... okay, that explains it. She, she... As part of her real sort of charm offensive to really uh, shore up vulnerable areas. Yeah, I think the she. I think she like tried to, back when um, obviously the NBA and the WNBA were doing you know, lots of Black Lives Matter related stuff. Uh, they wanted to wear t-shirts, I think, and, and kneel, and she basically tried to stop them doing it. So they all just wore t-shirts and said like vote Warnock instead. Um. So yeah, again, like obviously you're reaching out to, to moderate voters. There. Very much so. So that, that could be an interesting one to watch. As I said it will go to a runoff, almost, <laughs> almost guaranteed, which could be interesting because obviously the result of the election will, have, will likely have had it by then. Um, and it's kind of hard to say what the dynamics will be. You know, obviously if Biden has managed to win, you know, pretty, pretty comfortably, maybe even carrying Georgia, you'd think there'd be a kind of like let's finish the job type attitude. Of mm-hmm. like, and we can also get this, you know, progressive African American into the Senate. Whereas, yeah. obviously, if Trump wins, or even just like there's a narrow Biden win, or it kind of doesn't seem quite clear, it's, it's easy to see kind of a situation where enthusiasm and turnout drops, and it kind of you know ends yeah. up as you'd expect. There, there was also a runoff uh, after the last election in um, Louisiana, where where John Neely Kennedy won. Well, he technically was up against a Dem, but. Obviously, just by that point, everyone was just depressed and didn't care. Not that there was a massive chance, and but you know, nothing really happened there. Yeah, well, there was one yeah, in two thousand eight as well, which everyone forgets. I um, would, I would bet against Loeffler for this one personally, 
um, purely because she is not in a position where her husband can uh, can get her into uh, into the office because even her own Wikipedia page um, just points out that she basically got where she was because she married the CEO of of uh, her um, commodity and financial services provider that then she became the CEO of a subsidiary of. Yeah. I did laugh. Purely based on merit, I'm sure. That, yeah, that's like I am um, from Georgia. I think he might be the state majority leader or something, state senate majority leader. He's like quite known as a more moderate Republican who is basically just constantly annoyed at the lunatics that they have running for office in Georgia now and it's going to cost him his majority. And they asked him about Kelly Loeffler and he just said, well, she married well. And that was all he said. <laughs> I mean, he... <laughs> It's it is a pretty cool race on the Republican side because it's yeah, oh, yeah. someone who's just married her way into into where she is and then uh, a former U.S. or no a current U.S. military chaplain who uh, you know, U.S. Air Force Reserve chaplain sorry with the rank of lieutenant colonel, which is just a, a very interesting background. Um, who is yeah. sadly just running as like ultra maca guy sadly yeah nothing particularly interesting but interesting yeah. profile i i, I agree mm. um so yeah that could be fun so dan you said there was one in 2008 a runoff as well yeah which everyone forgets about because that obviously would have given dems uh the 60 seats what race it, was that it was uh saxby the, the best name oh saxby chambliss saxby chambliss he the, was on the shortlist for the na- for our original name i seem to remember yeah before yeah saxby chambliss is like i think that yeah, I love the young Boozer name. Saxby Chambers is really up there as well. It is very good. He yes, ran against, of course. He ran against Jim Martin, uh, who is just, I think he's just a Georgia state rep or something. Um, but yeah, so that would have given them the 60 seats, I believe. Um, and it was 49-46 for the Republicans in the general. But then I think um, they just didn't get the turnout. It was 57-42 to the Republicans in the end. Oh dear. I think presumably just because they're just Dems just didn't bother going out for it. Yeah, I mean, also like Obama did like well-ish in Georgia, but not like spectacularly well. You know, obviously there are it, it's kind of it's not quite fifty-fifty, but like you know, Biden has a, a, a I'd say about a forty percent chance of carrying it this time around, which I wouldn't say Obama did, but mm. yeah, yeah. Whereas I think Obama did well-ish in two thousand eight, but he had like unbelievable African American turnout. Yes, indeed. Um, which he couldn't, which obviously was not be, really going to be replicated for like random Georgia state rep. Actually, Obama, I tell a lie. Obama only actually lost by five, which is quite, which which I didn't know. I thought he lost yeah. by like nine or ten. No, I think, but I think he had like, yeah, insane turnout. But yeah, and like yeah, nineteen like even higher percentage of the African American vote they usually get. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, can't see that yeah. happening this time around. Yeah, and then just I guess to quickly finish on talking about the, the main race as well. I mean, also there isn't a huge amount to say about Ossoff. Mm. Well, obviously, if, if you kind of were aware of his kind of you know big online fundraising type campaign, um, and Jeremy just being kind of boring. Um, Purdue was also pretty boring. Um, he he ran. He got elected in fourteen, uh, replacing the retiring Saxby Chambliss, and he ran in against I think Michelle Nunn, the uh, Sam and Nunn's daughter or granddaughter, mm-hmm. the ex senator. Yeah. That was the year where the Dems thought they had a chance in Georgia because they ran Sam Nunn's daughter for Senate and Jimmy Carter's grandson for governor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Michelle Nunn actually did okay, but not brilliantly. Um, 
Purdue, you know, is just like a fairly, is just pretty, pretty generic modern day Republican. But he did make himself a bit of a target a couple of weeks ago when he um, did the really funny and not at all sickening thing that quite a few Republicans have been doing of pretending that he can't pronounce Kamala, Kamala Harris's name. He was at some at a rally, being like, and he's got this 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 woman, Kamala, Kamala, Koala. I don't know how you pronounce it. Which I said that I was also twist about this. It's very easy to like ignore <clears throat> just this shit happening because it happens all the time because it's been kind of normalized. But that's so fucking. It's not just rude. It is just like it is just being racist. Like it, it it's awful. Like he works with with Kamala Harris. He's he's worked with her for years, mm-hmm. you know, at least three or four years now. He would not do this to her face. The funny thing afterwards was when he came out, he obviously like sort of realised it had hurt him and came out afterwards and just pretended that he just actually didn't know know how to pronounce her name. As you say, the person he worked with. Just it's just And like one know, of the most famous politicians in the country. Yeah, li- li- literally the you know, the vice presidential running mate for the guy who's seen as the front runner. <laughs> um yeah, but just re- just really not <clears throat> really pissed me off actually, I have to say. I mean, if I've I said this as much on Twitter, but like George Allen, the Virginia senator, made one, just just one racial slur at a rally, and pretty much lost his election because of it. Whereas now, apparently, you can <clears throat> just stand up and more or less kind of just say racial slurs to a massive crowd and have a decent chance of being reelected. Mm-hmm. Feels good. Feels very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think Ossoff has a probably a better chance than Warnock, purely because it's going to be on the uh, election day, a you know, proper election day, rather than the runoff. I think the runoff, even if there yeah. is, you know, I think it's not a foregone conclusion, but usually Republicans tend to do a bit better there because they have higher turnout in like uh, these irregular elections. Um, mm-hmm. Although who knows yeah. whether or not that will stay the same now that Dems are doing so well amongst like you know, college educated voters and suburban like yeah, want to vote more elections. What's the sort of um mail voting and, and things like that uh, as far as runoffs are concerned? Because obviously that will have a big Im- if it's if it's not you know, if there's not the same window of, of vote by mail and absent uh, absentee ballots and so on, um if there's not the same sort of window for that stuff, then obviously that will you would expect that to to severely hurt the Dems' chances. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's in it's in January the special election, so there's two months or so. In oh right, so there's plenty of time to. It's not such so a. Quick there will be there, early voting and some. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like it's uh, immediately afterwards or anything. Yeah, it's a couple of months. I must admit, I don't actually know the the precise ins and outs, but you'd imagine there would still be the same provisions yeah. in place. Mm. I mean, George obviously in 2018 was was quite clear or at least quite well established that there was some uh unhappiness with how the uh state ran the election especially considering that brian kemp who won the election was also secretary of state at the time a lot of you know soft voter suppression you know sort of uh removing polling places and such like so mm. be interesting to see because because georgia is along with Texas, one of these states where you're seeing all this stuff being like, oh, wow, Biden's got a great chance. Uh, you know, look at these massive queues outside the polling stations. It's like, I mean, that's good to an extent, but it also just demonstrates the fact that they've looked into my, like, areas with a large number of potential Democrat voters and just removed all but one polling booth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I think I mean, um, it is. It is shockingly blatant, and it has been for years and years now. But ever mm. since the Supreme Court struck down large parts of the Voting Rights Act, yeah. Although, from what I've seen this year in Georgia, there has been very high turnout so far at the early vote. I think they have they have obviously done COVID related early votes that seem to have gone fairly well. Um, same in parts of Texas as well, where the early votes are, are pretty ridiculous. Obviously, we'll see how it goes with the counting. But. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so as that leads us on quite nicely to the other thing I want to talk about sort of election-wise, which <coughs> is Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of polls out today painting slightly different stories, but it's been quite clear, I think, for the last few weeks that maybe not to the same extent as, as Georgia or, or North Carolina, but uh, Texas is, is genuinely sort of in play this time around. You know, there were kind of rumblings that Hillary Clinton could do quite well, and she did do relatively well considering, you know, how fairly, how pretty solid um, Texas has been for Republicans, you know, pretty much for the last 40 or so years. But there have been polls more than sort of the occasional poll showing Biden ahead. Mm-hmm. So today we had a Data for Progress poll that had Biden up one forty nine forty eight, and um, John Cornyn, the Republican senator, up two forty eight forty six over MJ Heger, the mm-hmm. um, the Democrat nominee. And then we had the admittedly probably slightly more reliable poll from NYT Siena, one of the Nate Cohn specials, which had Trump up four forty seven forty three with quite a lot of undecided voters. And the big story, obviously, is you know, quite evident. I think, as we said through early voting, is that basically the Texas suburbs are just like completely abandoning the GOP mm-hmm. in yeah. like pretty astonishing numbers. I think the the the, 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 the wham mm-hmm. number from the the Cone poll was that a series of competitive house districts in sort of suburban Texas were that had been. Trump plus eight, I think, are now averaging Biden plus five. Mm. So, that's, so that's a 13-point swing. There are some more interesting things going on to the surface, particularly with minority voters that don't paint quite such a good picture for Biden and the Dems. But it's clear that, you know, something's going on here. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty similar in Georgia, actually. Um, they did a poll, of, well, NYT did a poll of Georgia, I think it was last week, that had a very close, I forget the exact numbers, but it was, I think it was one or two points in it, I forget who was leading. Actually, I think it was. I think Trump was up, but basically the reason why he was up is Biden was well ahead of Hillary with white voters, college degrees, but he was running slightly behind her with non-white voters. And if he was matching Hillary's numbers, he would be leading. Um, particularly, I don't think they actually broke it down, but non non-white, non-black voters, so Hispanics and, and Asians in Georgia, uh, Biden was considerably behind Hillary, which is like again been... another weird party election. Well, this has been one of the interesting things, hasn't it? And, you know, in Texas, this, the, 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 the crosstabs of that NYT Nate Cohn poll suggested that, you know, again, it's one poll, you don't know, but they do paint the picture, was that Hispanic men were actually favouring Trump. Mm-hmm. Slightly, yeah, by one point. V- very, very slightly. Now, the number for Hispanic women is very different. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think Biden is, I think, actually outperforming Clinton, or at least coming very close to it. Mm. But I think it's interesting here in that Biden has generally lagged behind Clinton. I mean, black voters actually a recent poll had him up like something like eighty nine points. So mm. you know, not a he's up about twenty eight amongst Latinos. But I think one of the interesting things here is that Clinton really did max out, especially I think Latino turnout 
last time around. Not so much black well, turnout compared to Obama. But it didn't help her because she lost all the states they thought it was going to help her in. But also Trump did a bit better than Romney with Hispanics. Not like a yes. huge amount. Yeah, he did, like yeah. He got 28% rather than 22%. He's averaging about yeah. 65 this time around. What were you saying, sorry, Will? I, I'm going to say... I. I'm going to say I think that this is proof that Trump actually has, and this is going to sound weird, but let me let me finish. Um, but he has always had uh, quite a lot of appeal with with Latinos because, as you said, he outperformed Romney in in 2016, and, and not by much. But you have to remember that he spent a large portion of the campaign actively calling them rapists, and he still outperformed Romney. And now mm-hmm. he's not done that for a few years. He's sort of laid off, you know. The wall talk stopped in uh, after the after the shutdown, pretty much, and and never mm-hmm. really came back. Um, he's he's continued to kick on with them, so I think mm-hmm. he he might actually have had a baseline level of Latino support that was mm. a lot higher than the than the GOP average if he could do what he did in 2016 and still outperform Romney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, and the thing is as well, is that it's not just. So if you look at like his African American support, it's pretty much in line with. Um, I think he's averaging about eight to eight to ten percent. Uh, I think yeah. it's like as high as also twelve percent in some polls, which would put him at like pretty much the highs of kind of post nineteen seventies Republicans, kind of around Reagan in, in eighty four level ish, which obviously like is still not amazing, but he's doing that despite the fact that he's down like eight nationwide, which is pretty surprising but i think this is where you can sort of see okay so maybe so maybe i was exaggerating that, that clinton um outperformed or maximized turnout but in certain areas she was definitely in areas of certain areas of florida like miami whatever she was doing incredibly well and really turning mm. these voters out and then she just got swamped by these you know the you know rural white voters no college degree guys coming out for trump mm-hmm Biden is, as you said, is sort of averaging about sort of eight or nine percent leads, and you know, fairly solid leads in, you know, swings quite a few swing states, because he's picked up not loads, but about five to ten percent of white voters, mm. which actually, you know, there are more of them in America than there are of minority voters. Not to say that you have to pander to particular issues or whatever, but like. <laughs> Trump has picked up, you know, a surprising amount of minority support, which could help him, I think, particularly in Texas, maybe Arizona and Florida. But then also, if 10% of, you know, concerned seniors don't like him anymore, they're the ones who are going to turn out and vote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This election is, is being, you know, on a national level, this election is primarily being contested in the Midwest. So so it's it's much more relevant, the, the Biden gain there, than the than the Trump game, you would you would say because yeah, it'll cement. It means it means Arizona doesn't flip. It means Texas doesn't flip, probably. But it, I don't think it it means much in Wisconsin or uh, Pennsylvania. Mm. And it's quite funny because if you like going back, you know, probably at least twenty years at this point, the whole idea, one of the big ideas in American politics has been that like demographic change is what's going to drive these big shifts in the states. You know, Dems are going to win Texas because of its increasing Hispanic population. You know, the Republicans are going to be in serious trouble in the future because, you know, America's going to become majority non-white and they can't, they can't, you know, they need to do better amongst non-whites. Whereas 
it looks like Biden might actually win Georgia and Texas almost entirely through shifting white voters. He's not, not doing any <laughs> yeah. better, really. In fact, he's doing worse with minorities. A lot of these college education voters, yeah, last time thought about voting for Clinton, but then just couldn't bring themselves to do it, possibly because of the Comey letter, maybe they were going to, whereas they seem quite happy in voting for Biden and Dems this time. It's been interesting, I guess, kind of predictions in that, um, you know, Chris Hooks, who does a lot of coverage of Texas politics, is pretty bullish on, for example, the Dems taking the Texas State House, pretty much because of all the suburban districts flipping because of sort of, yeah, white college-educated voters. Whether that will lead to it flipping on a presidential level, I don't know. My, my guess would be probably not. I think it could end up being similar to the the Cruz, Beto O'Rourke race, sort of three percent maybe in it. Yeah, but do you think if Beto was running against Cornyn this time around, he could? Uh... I think he win. Yeah, that's that's I... what I was leaning towards as well. But no, I, I agree. Is, how does I... he keep himself in the news, uh, in the public consciousness well enough without the? Because the run for president tanked him. It was a doomed and stupid Well, idea. he shouldn't. He but either, how he, else do you should have in the news? Well, he could have either just jumped straight out of the Senate race, and the, the, the presidential race, and gone straight into the Senate race like a few other guys did, like Steve Bullock did, like John Hickenlooper did. And they probably would have forgotten about it. Like, you know, everyone tries to run for president, yeah. whatever. It happens. Um, otherwise, if he just said immediately, I'm running for Senate again, He's got the ground game. Everyone knows who he is in Texas now. If it's in line, also kind of teamed up now, then with a Biden campaign that's actually making a, a big, you know, push to maybe even take the state, if not just run close, then that keeps him in the news. Yeah. And I mean, Hagar so basically ran for half a season. Two year campaign. Yeah, pretty much. Or, or just, you know, yeah, don't, don't read. I'm not saying run a full two year campaign, but, you know, make it clear what, you're, what he's doing. Because, yeah. Hagar ran for a House seat and then got the nomination in a fairly weak field, I think it has to be said. Yeah. But she just turned around from the House seat, I think, and pretty much said she's running for Senate. Yeah, exactly. Actually, by Amy McGrath. Uh, but, I mean, Hagar's run a pretty weak campaign so far. Yeah. Um, and she's hasn't just, really very little money in the race is the funny thing. If yeah. you look at the big, the amount of money being spent, mm. you know, it's insane in certain areas. You know, South Carolina, obviously for one, just insane sums of money being thrown around there. Again, probably for a slightly lost cause, but, you know, you do you. Um, But Texas is way, 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 way down. And said, it's just funny that Hagar hasn't even really tried to uh, pick up a huge amount of um, kind of publicity. You know, she's on paper, she makes sense as a candidate. She's, I think, similar profile to Amy McGraw, that she's an an ex, I think an ex-female fighter pilot, or at least definitely a military veteran. Yeah. Well, I think part of the issue was is that it wasn't really, it didn't really look particularly competitive until quite recently. I think the assumption was that Cornyn was not Cruz. You know, he wasn't a um, figure of hate, really. Well, I know that's, I know that's what we were we were saying directly after the midterms. I remember us having mm. that, that sort of conversation, but um, yeah, yeah, I don't. But think Hagar anyone... and Hagar had that. Um, so I yeah, because she had the the Democratic primary, she ended up winning very weakly because i think she when she initially ran everyone sort of assumed that she was going to easily win the, the primary and then royce west who was a yes Texas state senator um an african-american state senator he ran and sort of got more attention as people were thinking well maybe he, he's you know, quite a good campaigner quite charismatic and people were thinking well maybe he's a he better, came out surprisingly strongly yeah 
and then with Cristina uh, Ramirez, who were, ran as basically like the left wing candidate. Um, and then just tons of other candidates who were in random local offices. Who there, there was actually a very underrated, um, not so underrated in terms of them being good, but very interesting a guy who ran that primary who did very poorly. Um, a guy called Chris Bell, mm-hmm. who was actually the Democratic nominee for governor in 2006 and came incredibly close to beating Rick Perry because there were two independent candidates in the race. Mm-hmm. That was the year that um, Carol um, Keaton Strayhorn ran, who was the, the state treasurer as like a moderate Republican, and also Kinky Friedman. Yeah. The, uh, the, Ju- the Jewish cowboy um, also ran. So yeah, that guy actually came, I think, within like maybe three points of becoming governor of Texas. And then pops up fourteen years later in a Senate primary, and just no one really knows who <laughs> really knows or cares who he is. Yeah, it's interesting because he he at least theoretically had the, the strongest argument for you know I could win Texas because I kind of almost did it once. Well, I'm just looking at it now, and Hagar got twenty two percent in the Dem primary. She won with that, and then she ran in a runoff against uh, Roy. One Blair. by ten, right? Fifty two forty seven. Oh, really? So pretty oh. weak. Yeah. Yeah, no, I must. I must have only. I must have last time I checked the results. They mustn't have all been in yet. That's, that's I think yeah, that's West more weak. or less had all of the momentum. He just couldn't quite overcome Hagar's sort of initial lead that she had. Kind of like um, Booker in Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, very similar. And I think after out of out of that kind of Hagar didn't have a huge amount of enthusiasm. Yeah, um, but you feel it, like a better candidate on the for the Dems. Even not even necessarily Beto, but even someone like Julian or, jo- or Joaquin Castro would have. Yeah. Made made people paid attention to the race more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I think um, the fact that also it wasn't really being focused on as kind of like the race that would win the majority. You know, it was seen as very much sort of something that would be that like the fifty second or fifty third seat would be winning. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you consider that, like the the Dem Senate candidates here are hardly like astonishingly charismatic candidates. Someone like Beto could have got a lot more attention than than Hagar. Yeah. Yeah, I I still think that um, yeah, the fundraising problems definitely would have it would have improved under him, but they would have still been there. You can't fundraise off of Cornine as easily as you can fundraise off of a a potential cruise loss. Because but you but you can God, fundraise off. Let's that. turn Texas blue. Mm-hmm. You can fundraise off. You know, I'm going to win the Senate seat. Andrew Biden's going to win the state. As much as also, yeah, obviously the most powerful thing that should animate any political candidate, and really anyone, all citizens of the earth. Spite. Obviously, you know, spite and embarrassing Ted Cruz. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a strange one. I, you know, it, it generally feels like a missed opportunity. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Just sort of well, closing closing thoughts. You know, I guess, what, what would you guys reckon will actually happen in Texas? My, my bet would be quite a few flips to Dems in the House, maybe, maybe take over the State House, and then they lose the State by, like, three or four to Trump, who probably does pretty well with Hispanics and that kind of tides him over, is my guess. I think it'll be closer than that. I I don't think Biden will win, but I think it will be very close, because I think it, it he'll do even better than Beto did in the suburbs, but as you say, slightly worse in, in the rural areas um, for Hispanics. So I think it could be something like a one or two point loss for Biden or like a one point win. Yeah, I don't I don't see Biden taking this one. Um I think it'll be interestingly close and I think 
I think essentially it'll be close enough that um, you know, regardless of of how the numbers stack up, the popular narrative about it is uh, about the Texas um, twenty twenty sort of election will will always be. Um, you know, Joe Biden would have won that seat if not for voter suppression. Um, I think it'll mm-hmm. be close enough that that will be the <laughs> the prevailing sort of uh, narrative that people go with. But uh, as as it, as I expect, it will be in quite a few places in the country. Um, but yeah, he's not winning. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, it is interesting. I mean, and obviously the as you kind of said, the whole Republicans relying on their margins and Hispanic voters to try and prevent you know, the, the losses in the suburbs, losing in the state, is obviously not exactly what people expected. No, no, that's very true. Um, <laughs> and like, yeah, I think if you if you said at the start of Trump's campaign in 2016 that Trump may end up with the most diverse Republican coalition ever, you probably, I probably wouldn't have believed you, to be honest. <laughs> uh, no. Th- when and he then came also- on the elevator. Yes, later. Yeah, and then also if you ended up, if you said, you know, he's going to have the most diverse coalition and still be roughly mm-hmm. about thirty-five percent chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, that I definitely wouldn't believe. I think if you'd said most diverse coalition, I'd I'd sort of have gone. I can see a really weird future in which it's true, but but yeah, and just to well, have that continue... not win is is inconceivable. Yeah. I should point out, Will, that for these purposes, Italians and the Irish are not counted as minorities. <laughs> right. No, that does change things somewhat. Um, <laughs> still working on that. Yeah. Just visualizing and, and unfortunately <laughs> not being able to project it into the world. <laughs> uh, and uh, on, on that, I guess, slightly more lighthearted note, lighthearted, old, old-timey racism. Um I want to close on uh, a story that was developing when we recorded our first episode, but I think we wanted to wait and see what happened, and we weren't disappointed. Um, We obviously spoke a little bit about Rudy Giuliani last week because of his attempts to pitch potentially hacked or stolen emails and hard drives that may or may not have belonged to Hunter Biden to the New York Post and later the Wall Street Journal, who actually completely dropped the story uh, early this week. He was then implicated. I think it was the murmuring started to emerge that Rigiani had been caught in a compromising situation in the new Sasha Baron Cohen film, the uh, the sequel to Borat. Uh, obviously, Sasha Baron Cohen uh, has a very good record of luring people, particularly politicians, into compromising situations and making them look like idiots and much cleverer people than Rudy Giuliani have been implicated, so wasn't really a surprise. Um, then when the story came out, it was perhaps even better than we could have hoped. Um, so, yeah. for re- reference, yeah, Rudy Giuliani in this, this clip from, from Borat 2 was uh, with a female uh, journalist, quote-unquote, in which she was drinking heavily, um, repeatedly touching the... Uh, the journalist in um, not intimate areas, but areas that are generally seen as impolite to touch a woman without uh, a certain degree of familiarity or uh, indeed uh, consent. And then, then, of course, there was the money shot of him lying on a bed and seemingly putting his hands down his trousers. 
Please don't use mm-hmm. money shot in this context, Barnaby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Um, but as well, perhaps I'm wrong too, particularly because uh, as as has been insisted now by by Rudy and the uh, most of the Trump campaign and the GOP, um, there was nothing to see. He was just uh, tucking in his shirt while lying down on a bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that funny... classic way you tuck in your shirt where you're lying on half of it so you can't actually actually manoeuvre it at all? Yeah, the, the way I think all of us tuck our shirts in the morning. I don't know about you. The funny thing well, about no, it is people personally, say... I have a Wallace and Gromit style contraption that just <laughs> you know, puts me into it, but um, you know, I'm just built different. very fair i actually tend to throw my clothes off um a tall building or cliff and then uh pose like i'm diving and chase after them and then sort of open my arms and allow them to kind of you know sort of fall vertically onto me which works pretty well for me yeah to each their own um yes but uh so, what do we think on on this Rudy situation then? Um, I suppose the first question is: Is he a nonce or not? Uh, yeah, I was about to say. The, the funny thing about this was that when oh yes, there, everyone was like, oh, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's been it's Borat's daughter, like she's she's really young. And then then there was a bit of a backlash. People were like, no, you know, they don't say that she's she's young in it. You know, he he thought that she was overage. And then you watch the movie, and she looks incredibly young. Yeah, <laughs> she looks really young. I think the actress playing here is about 23, but she's meant to be like 14 or 15. It, it's the kind of like actress it. they they cast in uh, To Catch a Predator. Yeah. That very, very concerning bit of casting that I find a bit uncomfortable where you're looking at a 23-year-old woman going, yeah, if I was a paedophile. <laughs> yeah, but no, I'd like, when you watch it, it is not, not good. Yeah. Um, I also enjoyed Trump's tweet in defense of him, which included the brilliant line, uh, it was a tuck. He was tucking his shirt in, which I have done many times. <laughs> I That is, oh, what a brain. What a brain. Um, I also don't believe that. I, I feel like he has someone to to do that for him because he just likes No, the... I think... No, I think he tucks his shirt in. Because I think Trump's one of Trump's big things is that he does very strongly believe in in oh, wearing no, a suit. Oh no, yeah, you're right. He's a suit. That guy. is that is a thing that real men no. real men do. There's that that story of him slapping Don Jr. because he wasn't wearing a suit to a baseball game. <laughs> yep. I uh, yeah no. That you're absolutely right. Um, yeah. Uh, how could I? If forget? Trump was thirty years younger, and not in quite the same line of work. He would be the kind of guy who posted images on Facebook of epic guy with the caption, boys have swag, gentlemen have class. Or gangsters with an ER. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Or he he might also just, yeah, probably more likely or slightly more racially motivated than that. But yes, he would absolutely, absolutely be that guy. Oh, people have stopped talking about Don's mob connections, though, haven't they? That's just reminding me of that. That that what happened? It, yeah, twenty sixteen. Everyone was shock horror that a uh, a New York real estate developer had uh, 
and mafia connections. You know, no one could uh, could believe that, despite it being the most obvious thing ever. But but we don't talk about it anymore. Why is that? Mm-hmm. This it, it was all kind of went away around the same time that the Mueller report came out, and it became clear that he was not going to be arrested by the Marshal of the Supreme Court. Yeah. Um, because previously the the mob thing was sort of the one of the justifications for why that would happen. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's that's what it was. That there was the kind of period up to twenty eighteen where there was still people thinking that you know there was going to be something would just happen and he'd just disappear. There they um, they'd all be arrested. I watched the other day there's a BBC documentary about it's called something like Trump the first four years or something, and it's um a documentary about basically Trump's Trump's term, and they've got like Sean. It's mostly most of the talking heads on there are kind of like people who are in the first two years of his presidency, so like Sean Spicer, uh, Omarosa, people like that. The golden um, era. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the peak. But it more or less does it by year, which means that the first like two episodes are almost entirely about like the Mueller report in Russia. And looking into it, it's like looking into like a parallel universe where like James <laughs> Comey's hearing is going to like bring down Trump and Michael Cohen being arrested is you know, it's the beginning of the end of Trump. Oh yeah, Everyone... and, like, the most important thing that that's ever happened, really. The bad old days of every single journalist tweeting any kind of news with like breaking or huge. Yeah, and also, of course, uh, Seth Abramson doing his hundred tweet threads about how no, actually, this time Trump's going to prison. Yeah, oh, but it is. It, days. I, I I highly recommend watching it because it, it does just like. The fact that not only obviously did it all turn out to be a damp squib, but the fact that it ever existed was just forgotten so quickly um, that it really is worth watching because just to kind of remember how, and that was that was almost the first that was pretty much the, the big story of the first three years of presidency. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. As people pointed out before the pandemic, there hadn't really been many crises, you know, crises you faced really. That weren't no, there was to investigation. Mid twenty seventeen, there was the AHCA. Yeah, yeah, he had that. That was the first, yeah, six or so months. Then he had the tax bill. Then after that, the kind of legislative agenda more or less ended up until really Kavanaugh. Uh, and then apart from that, it was mostly just investigations. Yeah, until January when Suleimani. Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, there were like before the pandemic, there were like six things that happened, which yeah. is odd because it feels like he's been the president for twenty years. Yeah, it's, it's the fact they never went away. It's the fact they all ground on inexorably, especially the investigations. I think. Yeah, hmm. but it's very surreal if you look back at like the kind of the first, the, the last four years. It just does, and the fact that none of it matters. Is, uh, yeah. But it, yeah, I do, I do highly recommend watching it just just for that. And they do have some pretty good stories about uh, him, like showing the him inviting the Joint Chiefs of Staff in and just showing them the county level map of how he won, and uh, that sort of so thing. good, so good, yeah. I do hope, kind of. I'm kind of curious that if he does win again, there's there's been some leaks similar to what happened before he won last time of like you know he's gonna make some really big. Uh, controversial appointments apparently he wants to sack the cia fbi heads and the secretary of defense just like who he's going to bring in for like a second term because i feel like that's going to be like that would be trump unchained mark meadows will be out as well like we could get 
a return to you know the sort of the halcyon days of Spicer and the Mooch and Flynn. Oh, Not really the same God, guy. I wish the Mooch but... stayed around for more than a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this the, he's Mooch is in this, this documentary, and uh, it did remind me of the, the, how he got fired, which was standing there doing an interview with the New Yorker and just like bad mouthing Steve Bannon and Rince Priebus. I'm not Rince Priebus. I'm not sucking my own dick. Yeah. Um, Seminal. Thinking, I think he thought that it was off the record, but just forgot to say that it was off the record. Which is which is obviously what you want for the communications. Not having an understanding of what on the record means or off the record. <laughs> oh. oh, he was so fucking good. He was fun, good. I, I, for Beach, obviously, is one thing. He's like now resurfaced as like a kind of vague anti-Trump guy. I think I think you mentioned this to me down a while ago. My favorite development, I think, still of like all these like Trump early Trump White House alumni is the fact that Rince Priebus was so owned he's now joined the Navy. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Rince, Rince, Rince Priebus like enlisted in the Navy. Or like, so what you're least, saying is he like, was turned out by Trump. I beg your pardon. <laughs> he's, uh, he's he, gone and joined the Navy. Yeah, yeah. Pictures of him now like, making speeches in public. He's wearing like a little a little navy uniform, like a good he, boy. He's a he's a he's in the navy reserve now. Yeah, I think he's an yeah. officer in the navy reserve. But yeah, but I think it's like it's. I think it's basically like the program that yeah, you know, if you come out of university, you join the navy. Is what you do. It's not usually something that a forty-eight-year-old guy does. Like <laughs> he was like pretty much reached the pinnacle <laughs> of his career, like as a Republican apparatchik chair of the rnc and white house chief of staff is pretty much the best you can do Mm -hmm. yeah and that's just like um yeah i mean i just i don't really know what his if trump does win he's obviously not gonna have the house i don't even know what he's really gonna do in the second term like at least the first term you did have repealing obamacare and the tax cuts were you know, still things that they were aiming to do. Mm. This time he doesn't or, even have that. I'm trying to remember what, like, his, his policy is literally like, he they, they tweeted it out, it's like manned mission to Mars and, <laughs> like, full fibre broadband across the entire country. That's pretty much it, I think. That does sound pretty good, to be honest. If he just campaigned on that. Yeah. Well, I thought that the Space Force has ended up being deployed to Afghanistan. So... I'm really excited to see, you know, how the NASA stuff ends up. Just that sounds outside of their jurisdiction. Mm. But I'm excited to see. Oh, how when that... have Americans ever cared about that, Barnaby? <laughs> well, I mean, it's more than just like you know, uh, unlawfully entering a, a sovereign state's borders. But like, considering that Afghanistan is on the terrestrial plane, I'm just imagining them like going to Afghanistan, but by like going straight up into Earth orbit and then going like across <laughs> going and like space. straight down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like proper duck dodges. <laughs> yeah, crashing oh. and causing a giant crater in the middle developing, of Homeland Province. Developing like yeah, just a giant rocket just to like go back to Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> launching, oh. launching shuttles from Cape Canaveral that just floats over. <laughs> the US just gonna be like yeah, like bombing Afghanistan from like the space shuttle. That's, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Doing orbital bombardment. I mean, it's not cool. You shouldn't do it, but it sounds pretty cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
personally, I, I don't think that would be cool. I think that would actually be uh, be bad. <laughs> um, I guess by way of response, oh, that's pretty much all I have to say to that. Um, if they make Afghanistan look like the junk planet from Ratchet and Clank, that's pretty much all I want. I wish I'd played that game enough to know what you're talking about. I got nothing. Sad times. Well, I think we've pretty much reached the end of uh, of another episode. Really? Uh, I couldn't tell. It's not like we just ran out of steam completely. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what you mean. We 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 we've, we've, we've full throttle throughout the entire episode. We were we were amped up. We were all fully informed, ready to go. I knew what was going on at all times during this episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know yep. what I'm talking about. You, yep. sh- you should definitely keep having me on this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will, because we, we, we just we we know what you can do, Will. You know, you, you, you might not bring your lunch pail to every game, but every so often your your flashy hip hop style of podcasting does uh does win us a game. I'll call a shot next week, don't worry about it. I believe it. I believe it. Well, uh, thanks, Will. Thanks, Dan, as ever. No problem. And, uh, no problem at all. And, uh, yeah, Young Booze will be back in very soon. Thanks very much, guys, and uh, stay safe, I guess. <laughs>